Welcome to Busy House Happy Home, where you can ask Charlie your home dilemmas and I will help you along with my expert friends so your busy house becomes a happy home. This week, I am chatting to Gail. Gail has got in touch with me via Instagram. She is a new first-time mummy. She's got a little, a little boy um, called Rafe, who is now, um, now 13 weeks old. Is that right, Gail? Yes, he's still very little. <laughs> very little. Well, huge congratulations and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So nice. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's, it's really lovely that you, um, that you reached out and got in touch because um, you know for me it's lovely to have different conversations with different people because I think that really helps our listeners um, you know learn things and it might not be relevant for everybody at the time but it may be at at some stage where they may know somebody going through similar things so um, it's great (laughs) I'm really looking forward to chatting to you so Gail will you tell me a little bit about yourself Yep, so um, I live in London with my husband and um, my dog, and now Rafe, obviously, as well, who's been a really lovely addition. Um, I, before, I'm on maternity leave now, um, but before I went on maternity leave, I was um, working as an assistant head in a prep school in London, um, which I've been teaching for about 11 years now, which I've always really enjoyed. Um, so it's been interesting, because I think, because I've always been around children, I've, I kind of thought, oh, you know, like obviously I've not been around babies but you think I kind of have a sense maybe of what it's going to be like children need like I'm quite good with kids blah blah (laughs) yeah exactly and then you have a baby and you're like oh I had I clearly had absolutely no idea what I was talking (laughs) about like this is just so different (laughs) to anything I could have possibly imagined and everyone always says oh it's such a change you can't prepare for it and you're like oh yeah okay but you feel like because so many people have said it to you you're like okay well I understand what a change is but then you're in it and you're like Oh no, I didn't. <laughs> this is completely mad. <laughs> it is. It is completely mad, isn't it? <laughs> Wonderful, yeah. but mad. And I think, you know, we go through, and I often talk about, you know, seasons in our life, and we go through seasons of, of change. And that season passes and becomes, you know, easier. We were just talking um, before we press record about the first eight weeks you found, um, you know, quite full on. And now sort of since then, it's got a little bit easier. And, you know, I think when you first have that baby and you are, it's everything, it is full on and you do feel like you've lost your identity mm. and it is quite overwhelming um, initially. And I think you have to be really kind to yourself and just, you know, find your feet slowly. And I think probably because you have taught for so many years and, you know, had a really great career, suddenly it's all changed and it's all shifted. And and that feeling is a bit, it it is overwhelming, particularly when you've got all of these hormones rushing around your body and you're probably a bit sleep deprived and you've got all of that going on. And I think it's really important to, you know, just be kind to yourself and, and take time to adjust. Yeah. And I think it's, I think the adjustment thing has been really interesting because I think one thing I've really noticed is I've been so used to, you know, you know, as a professional person, generally you're kind of a solutions focused person. You're used to being really in control and like quite literally in control, like in a classroom, like that's the, that's the core of my job. I have to be in control. Otherwise I'm not doing my job. well. <laughs> so 
So a lot of my work has been around that. I don't think I'd really realise how important control is to me till I had Rafe. And suddenly I was I was completely thrown, you know, I had all these, you know, red books and blah, blah. I was like, right, I was saying to Toby, I was like, right, what we're going to do, Toby, is we're going to get him in this great routine. And I've read the book. And if we just feed him every four hours uh, or three hours and we get him to nap at these times, he'll be great. Didn't really think, but what if my baby doesn't want to eat at those times? What if my baby doesn't want to nap at those times? <laughs> what if my baby doesn't really want to go with my, you know, prescribed agenda? <laughs> and so I think that was the big shock for me as I was like, which sounds so silly actually now in retrospect, but I said, you know what, it's not silly at all. It's not silly at all because I think there are so many people that can relate to that. Mm. I definitely loved being in control of everything. And I used to feel really at sea when things didn't go to plan. And that would rock me. And then I would feel this sort of sense of overwhelm Mm. and panic actually when you're not completely in control and things haven't gone completely to plan I mean you might be you know meeting somebody at a certain time and then suddenly the baby poos everywhere everywhere and it takes you (laughs) half an hour to change and then you're running late and then you're stressed and it all just goes to pot and so you know as I mentioned earlier about being kind to yourself and actually, you know, if your baby is happy and fed and looked after and you've got, you know, relatively clean clothes on, actually, yeah. you need to pat yourself on the back. You're winning. Yeah. It's really true. And what I've really noticed with it, which I found really interesting, is something I've always really struggled with. People are always like, you know, people always sort of recommend it as kind of like a key part of well-being is being really mindful and sort of living in the present and, you know, just take each day at a time. And that traditionally for me has been something I've not been very good at. I'm like, no, I've always got a bit of a plan. Like, what's the next step? What, you know, what are we doing next? And actually, I've, what, what having a baby has been really good for is I think it has made me just go, well, I have a choice. I can either try and impose so much control on on this, or I can kind of you know, do my best to control what I can, but equally step back. And and it has made me be a bit more like, I really can only just take it a day at a time. And, you know, if he has an awful night's sleep, okay, we'll think about what we can do tomorrow to kind of repair that. But that's something that I still find quite hard. Like I find it, particularly the night, you know, if if the sleep's, the sleep has been a big thing. If the sleep's going badly, you know, I'll sit there at three in the morning going, oh my God, but what's this going to mean for tomorrow? And and his feed times and and we're meant to be seeing so-and-so and and, oh my goodness, you know, and that can, I think, yeah, that could, I totally agree that feeling of like overwhelm and panic suddenly where you're like, oh God, and it all just feels a lot, I think. It's about learning to be adaptable. And that I think the word adaptable is is really the key word here and and going with the flow as much as you possibly can and not beating yourself up when things don't go to plan and actually just taking a step back from a for a moment because I think when you've got a new baby it's all consuming you're tired your hormones are rushing around all you can think about is is that moment and actually it's taking a step back a step out of the situation looking at it with um you know broad eyes the broad picture and thinking okay actually in the grand scheme of things this isn't this is this is okay we can work with this but actually when you're in it it's really hard to think with a with a rational clear mind and I remember that feeling so well um although you know for me it was a while ago but I do remember that feeling like it was yesterday again because I loved being in control of the situation and knowing exactly what was happening when 
We have a new sponsor for season two of the podcast, Lee Linton from The Ultimate Shred. I have been doing Lee's workouts for over six years and I am a massive, massive fan. Lee has been life-changing for me, getting fit and getting strong. But one of her products that I really love is her matcha. So many people say, Charlie, where do you get your energy from? And the secret is matcha. Matcha is packed full of antioxidants. It is brilliant for your immune system. It's great for your hair, for your nails, for your skin. It helps with water retention. It helps with bloating and it gives you a a caffeine um, boost, but not like drinking coffee or tea or or having, um, you know, caffeinated drinks. It just is a slow release. So it gives you this sort of lovely energy boost throughout the day. And I'm a massive, massive fan of it. I drink it every single day. Lee has kindly given us a discount code of Charlie10. All the details will be linked down below in the show notes for you to take advantage of that. So I hope I hope you do because it really is wonderful, wonderful stuff. Yeah, so something that I um, have thought quite a lot about um, that, I, well, that I've really noticed since having a baby is kind of what to prioritise and what, and what, well, maybe if I split that into two. So let's start with the first bit. It's like how to prioritise the day. Like I find it quite difficult to, obviously priority has to be kind of like feeding Rafe, <laughs> making sure, you know, he has a clean nappy and has a sleep. Um but it's, I've always find it really funny when people say things like, oh, you know, sleep when the baby sleeps. And I'm like, that's a really lovely idea. But when will I get all the washing done? When will race bottles be cleaned? When will I sort out all his clothes? When will the dog get a walk? <laughs> you know, all of these different kind of things. The reality of it, actually. Yeah. 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 So I've, I'm, I guess I'm interested in, in sort of thinking about how maybe when you had really little ones, how did you sort of work out prioritising and and having an organized home because some days I feel really organized (laughs) some days it just feels like chaos um maybe that's normal I don't know (laughs) no I I totally totally hear you so I think the first thing I did was really got into batch cooking so in the evenings I would batch cook Mm. not every evening obviously but um, a couple of evenings a week I would just spend an hour cooking and filling the freezer so we had good good food Mm -hmm. or meals you know and you might not be into cooking so actually you know just making sure that there's enough food so actually you don't have to in the evening when you're really tired and it's been a long day think about what you're going to eat so that is is a really kind of key thing I used to spend my mornings doing sort of housework and jobs so the baby would have a sleep, um, I can't remember exactly the times, but maybe between nine and 10. And that would be a time where I would with the hoover around, do, do a load of washing, get organized. And then when the baby woke up, we'd either go and do something, meet a friend, you know, maybe 10.30, go out and you know do something. I loved actually taking my children out to sort of musical classes and, you know, mm. just meeting other people because it can be quite lonely yeah so I would try and do and don't don't over busy yourself you know keep it simple so a couple of times a week have something to look forward to going somewhere but make sure that you have got something ready for you to eat at lunchtime 
my children had a really good or my babies had a really good sleep at lunchtime so a couple of hours and I would do jobs for an hour and then sleep for an hour mm. that was when I and I always tried even if it was just lying down putting the telly on but just having a little bit of downtime at that lunchtime sleep and then we would get up and go out for a walk we'd get some fresh air in the afternoons and you mentioned you've got a dog so every afternoon we went for a walk without fail whether we met a friend and went for a walk whether we just went for a walk by ourselves but we got some fresh air because I think that's really good for babies to get you know out and and to have that time and then I used to refer to it as the witching hours you know in the evening yeah. bath and bedtime they can be overtired they can be a bit cranky and Mm. so don't try to do too much then and that's why it's important to have food prepared so you can have a good meal and actually in the early days I would eat and then I'd try and get a couple of hours or even an hour's sleep before that 10 o'clock feed because if you're doing jobs all evening you're exhausted because you'll do that maybe maybe you are doing a 10 o'clock feed or not but I always did a 10 o'clock feed with mine and if you're not going to bed till after then you're exhausted so it's really important to try and have a little bit of downtime then I like to get my my babies to sleep by 6 45 7 in the evening and have a good sleep then I would eat with Simon we'd sit down we'd chat for a little bit and then I would go up and try and get an hour just quiet time whether it's reading a Mm. book or just really you know just unwind before that and so you're not going to bed at 11 o'clock exhausted knowing that you're going to be up in the night yeah yeah definitely I I think it's about keeping on top of things yes yeah and it's, if it gets overwhelmed too much. Exactly. So little, little and often, if you do a load of washing, then when it's dry, fold it, put it away. So you <laughs> don't really end true. up yeah. with four loads of washing to do because yeah. that's overwhelming and yeah. that takes a lot longer. Whereas actually one load of washing is quite easy to fold up. What, five, ten minutes, there might be a few bits to iron, but it's not going to take very long. But if you let it build up, then again, it becomes overwhelming. So it's just about keeping on top of things. Don't worry too much about the housework. Don't worry if there's cobwebs and if there's dust. That's not important at this stage. Actually, Mm. you and Rafe and your husband being well and happy is far more important. Um, So, you know, relax on 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 too much housework I think you know with around occasionally maybe flicking a duster but those things wait and actually if anyone comes and judges you then they can bog off (laughs) do you know (laughs) yes yeah definitely no space it's not about being the perfect (laughs) housewife right now it's about you, you being well because if you are well and you are well rested then you're going to have a much happier baby yeah and I think that's been a really interesting that's been a really interesting learning curve um and it's really what I found quite interesting is how before I had a baby I felt so much more rational about these kind of decisions and 
sort of ideas um, surrounding sort of childcare or help. And I would always, before I'd had Rafe, be the kind of person that'd be like, oh, well, once you've got a baby, obviously if someone offers you help, you must take it. But I've really found that I sort of almost sometimes find that quite difficult because you almost put this pressure on yourself to be like, but I'm his mum, so I, sh- I'm, I should be able to do every feed or, or, you know, my husband's great and really helps, but, you know, I should do every bath time or I should do every wake up or, or whatever. And actually when people go, you know, my mum like this week, um, so Rafe's bottle fed, so it's quite handy. So she said, well, why don't I do the 11 p.m. feeds for the next couple of days? And I was just, I was like, but really? I mean, I don't feel like I can, really? And she was like, well, I'm offering because I'm happy to do it. And you can then go to bed. And then if he's up in the night, then you can do it. I was like, oh, actually, I mean, that would be really amazing. <laughs> and you sort of almost feel a bit guilty. I, well, I, like, I tell you what, what the mum... The mum guilt can, again, be overwhelming, can't it? Yeah, I've never experienced anything like it. It's so intense. It's so intense. You feel like you should be able to do it all. But actually, you know, they say that it takes a village to raise a child. And actually, you know, accept the help. Yeah. Accept it and don't beat yourself up. Yeah. I used to put my children in the bath with Simon. That's (laughs) a good idea. So again, I could just maybe lie on the bed for five minutes or 10 minutes and they could have a bath yeah. with him. And then I, yeah. could, you know, I could deal with them, you know, dry them and, and put their pajamas on and, and give them a feed. And just, it's about, t- you know, finding those little moments. Um, yeah. Don't have to do it all and accepting help. Yeah. Um, yeah, I totally agree. So my, one of the things I kind of wanted to ask you because I find this just so interesting whenever I see my friends who've got more than one child I'm literally like how are you doing this <laughs> how does anyone have one because <laughs> and I love the idea I love being a mum and I love having Rafe he's a really sweet baby and I think gosh I, yeah I definitely love to do this again but then I'm like yes but I will still have I'll then have a toddler or you know and it's just like how do you how do you even do it you know just managing I find having a dog <laughs> a baby enough <laughs> let alone more than one baby so like, how do you make that I mean first of all how intense is that jump from like one to two is it is it more intense or less intense than kind of the naught to one jump and also then how do you manage it because I don't know if you're like me but Rafe has I wouldn't say it's like a totally regimented routine but we have a rough you know he feeds at kind of seven eleven three seven eleven yeah. you know roughly that's where we're yeah. at okay. and within that he kind of goes for a nap every sort of after an hour and a half of being awake, he'll have a nap and hopefully that will last hour and a half, two, two hours, at morning and lunch and then a little less in the afternoon. But it's it's quite loose, but yeah. it's still there. And I'm just like, how would I manage that with with an, another baby if I then had a toddler? Like, it's just, it just feels very difficult to imagine. Well, I think it's really early days for yes, you. No, I'm not thinking of having one anything. So, <laughs> it, it, so I think, you know, don't worry about it, but you do, you just learn to adapt. Um, you yeah. just... Um, I, I mean, I had my three very, very close together. Um, it was a little bit overwhelming when I was very heavily pregnant with the third one because I did wonder how I was going to cope. And actually, we did get a nanny then because mm-hmm. we were doing a massive build project and Simon was traveling a lot. Um, and I couldn't cope with three under <laughs> no. two and a half alone. No. But you just learn to get organized. You learn to adapt you find you know your rhythm and your pattern and actually when I was pregnant with um with Coco who is our second child I would rest 
and I needed to rest. I got really tired during my pregnancies. I would rest, but I would actually sometimes have that two hours at lunchtime and don't worry about the jobs. And I think you just learn to adapt and, and it works. And I think as your, um, you know, your, your baby that then becomes a toddler, a little person, you know, you find your routine, you find your groove and actually a new addition becomes actually easy. And I think for me, the jump from, from, from not having any children to having one was more of a shock to then having subsequent children. And actually you find your groove, you find, you know, your routine and actually it, um, it becomes so much easier so much easier and mm. you know your it depends how big a gap you have but your toddler might be going you know to preschool a few mornings a week and you, you know you just learn to when you're sitting down to feed the baby you put out a puzzle for for the toddler to play with and you, you just have to become even more organized and even more sort of um yeah even more organized and just sort of on it and and really kind of on the ball and again it's about getting other people to help a little bit where you can and maybe outsourcing some things you know maybe getting a little bit of help in the house or some help with the laundry or or whatever it might be that works for you you know if if you can the I, I like the idea of outsourcing stuff um in the sense that it's again something I've struggled a bit with just with the mum guilt thing which which seems so silly and martyr like <laughs> when you've got a young baby but you know there are times when you almost feel a bit guilty for you know there have been days where I've been like oh this is just really tiring and relentless today like even not because race being difficult or anything just because it is life with a baby and then you think oh gosh you know but I'm quite lucky like I do have a cleaning lady that comes once a fortnight to help us or you know like my my parents live a couple of hours away but my mum will come and help and babysit for a night here and there and I'm you know so you do I do have help and things and I think um I think it's about being more accepting of, of having the help and going, actually, this is the right thing and it's not something to feel guilty about. Exactly. And that word accepting is really crucial there. It is about accepting um, help and it's about, again, taking the pressure off yourself and thinking it's, it's okay. You can't do it all. You can't do it all. And there are no prizes for trying to do it all. You're just going to break yourself yeah. and then you won't be any good to anyone. So it's about you know shift that mind shift of it's okay to have some help it's okay mm-hmm. to say actually I can't do all of this and particularly when you have subsequent children um you know you might need a little bit more help and that's all right yeah yeah definitely um yeah I think I think all right I think it's about acceptance and but it's really it's I found it really interesting I sort of thought that I kind of had experienced pressure and things in my in my life through my particularly my work and and sort of various other things but I've never really experienced the level of pressure you feel as a mum it's really it's a really interesting kind of I don't know just really intense sort of feeling um it's very very intense so much on your shoulders all the time yeah and because you know it's not going to have rent yeah, I think that's it. And I, I think, I'm thinking other circumstances, you know, if you've got a work deadline or something, it's a deadline. Yeah. You're finished, you're done, you can move on. Whereas actually as a mum, you know, 
that's it yeah (laughs) there is no end to it and again you know that that can be um quite something to get your head around yeah I think definitely and I think the other thing I've really noticed and I'm actually quite interested to know um because your children are obviously a bit that old sort of older so I mean they're not like a generation ahead of Rafe but obviously they're sort of early teens and things aren't they and and sort of um 10 11 kind of age so um so it was kind of a different time I guess when you had your babies in some ways and in some ways not um but one one thing I feel like probably consistent is the judgment on every decision that you seem to make and I had really just a really difficult time with feeding and particularly breastfeeding and in the end it just it just wasn't like it Rafe was a was a big baby who has just not stopped growing I mean he does not look 13 weeks so it's about six months he's huge and he needs a lot of food <laughs> there's no way I was able to give him that I'd had a terrible birth and blah 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 and I felt all this enormous pressure around breastfeeding and he's not breastfed he's totally formula fed mm-hmm. and and um, the other one I experienced a lot of just like strange comments about is the use of like the dummy and it literally this the dummy fills my my brain every waking hour <laughs> just like, oh gosh should I give him the dummy am I being a really bad mother giving him the dummy oh no he's woken up from his naps the dummy fell out or oh, the, the dummy is like this crisis in my head I'm so just interested to know if like the judgment was the same kind of when you had your children or whether there were different things that were that people were judgmental of it's yeah it's just interesting yeah. I think no, the judgment was still there, but I think because social media, particularly Instagram, wasn't such a big thing. I think it was, mm. I, I don't even know when Instagram started, but um, yeah, I wasn't involved in any of that. The judgment is always, always, always there when when it, it comes to bottle and breastfeeding and dummies. And actually, you know, I, I think it's so important that you've got to do what works for you and what's right for you. And you've actually got to put your blinkers on and just stick with the decisions that you make and not worry about anybody else's opinions. Mm. I'm going to tell you a story. I, um, (laughs) I was determined to breastfeed Archie and I was having to top him up a little bit with formula because again, he was a really, really hungry baby and I didn't have enough milk and we were at um, the, the local health centre with a group of mums in a circle, you know, chatting and it was feed time. And I breastfed him on either side. I had this wonderful sort of sheet thing that came over him and I fed him and he still seemed hungry. And I had a bottle of formula in my bag and I gave him the bottle of formula. I can't remember how many ounces it was, but maybe six ounces. And he drank the entire lot. And, you know, he was hungry and I just wasn't giving him what he needed. And so actually I thought, what am I doing? Trying to breastfeed and then bottle feeding. We're sitting here. Mm. I I think I was there for about an hour and a half feeding him. Yeah, that's what I was doing. And so I just, that was when I knew that actually it was time to give up. Yeah. And, And I didn't, well, I did beat myself up a bit about it. But actually, there is no point sitting there feeding and then giving them a bottle. And you've just got to do what works for you and what's right for you. And particularly if you've had a difficult birth and, you know, you're a bit traumatized from it, then your milk's not going to be there yeah. enough to 
your baby. And so you've got to not worry about other people's opinions and do you do you and let them do them. And with regards to a dummy, you know, some babies are really sucky and, and a dummy works for them. And, you know, he's really little, so it doesn't matter. I think, you know, if he's still got a dummy when he's two or three, that's when it's a little bit more of a problem because it yeah. starts affecting their mouth and teeth and, and all of those things. But actually at this stage, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So don't, you know, don't beat yourself up. Um, you know, if, if it works for you, then then do it. Yeah. And I think I think it's learning to I think you're right about putting the blinkers on. Something I found quite difficult actually. I hadn't really realized how much I cared about other people's well, not cared, but it's just very difficult not to take other people's opinions on board. And like, you know, in your early your early sort of stages after having a baby, you are quite vulnerable emotionally and stuff. And so you probably do take things on and take things apart and that kind of thing. And I really noticed actually that um I don't know if there's something you ever experienced when you were a first time mum but decision making seems to, like the smallest decisions just seem absolutely monumental I've spoken about this some friends who've just had babies as well and we've all said like thought we were quite capable decisive women <laughs> and suddenly I'm just like oh gosh you know do, do I push the feed by half an hour or not will this cause carnage for the rest of the day and you know all these what's what you should be things. yeah massively yeah but again that's because you're tired yeah your body's going through mega mega adjustments and so it is difficult and it is overwhelming and that's when if you've got a good relationship you know either with your mom or with your husband with your partner that's when it's really important to have you know honest conversations with them and just say oh you know am I being silly about this yeah (laughs) and getting getting their advice and their take on it um and I think, you know, the people nearest to you will will give you the right advice. And also you've got to trust your instinct and yeah. your gut. As a mother, your gut and your instinct will actually almost always be right. You know yeah. your baby better than anybody. So listen to that. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's really true. I, I felt like... um didn't actually get massively into reading loads of books and stuff when I was pregnant about you know having the baby and you know I vaguely attempted it and I read a couple of things about sleep or whatever and that was kind of it but I found it's been interesting that what I did read a lot of it's really stuck in my head and in some way some of it's been very helpful there's been like a few bits because obviously I didn't really know much there are a few sort of takeaways where I've gone oh that's been really useful Mm. but there's actually quite a lot of stuff that I've read which because there's so many conflicting ideas out there about how to bring up children and how you know um how to help them get to sleep feeding like there's all these opinions and there's merits in all of them really but almost having all that information my mum was saying this she was like you've got so much more information than I ever had when I had you know my mum had her, her first baby in the early 70s so you know she's sort of like you know I just had to do it and the more confident I get with it the more I feel like I am sort of slightly um kind of shedding the information some of the information that I read because do you feel like it's really overwhelming having so many thoughts and beliefs thrown at you you're like well I I don't oh my god I don't know I don't know rather than just going okay this is my son and this is what he seems to like or need or whatever exactly and I think that is the problem with with the world today there is just too much information out there Mm. and there's too many people with differing opinions 
And what works for one person is not necessarily going to work for another. So you need to take it all with a bit of a pinch of salt and, and find what, what works for you as a family and what you're comfortable with. I think that's, you know, really important. I mean, I had quite a strict routine with my children because mm. they had severe reflux. I didn't, I planned to just go with the flow, but actually I found a routine for, for us ended up working really really well yeah um because I knew where we were um with regards to feed and they they, they cried a lot and they screamed a lot and it was you know it was difficult in those early mm -hmm. days but you know but I had friends that had you know no routine they just completely went went with the flow and that worked for them but yeah. it wouldn't have worked for me and so everybody's situation is different mm -hmm. so you need to, again get those blinkers on and and just do what what you're comfortable with and what works for you and and for your baby and your family yeah definitely the routine thing's been interesting I found because I've definitely found um I'm sort of quite careful almost when people sort of ask oh is he in a routine I'm like oh god it's not a question I've ever asked someone but other mums or people who've had babies always when quite you feel the judgment no. I know and I'm like, oh, if he is, is that bad? If he's not, is that? And he, he's quite like you, raising it. I mean, yeah, I mean, a fairly strict routine in the sense that it's well, fairly consistent routine, I guess. Yeah, exactly. um, that's just what seems to work for, for me. But yeah, and I think it is about having, you know, consistent routine. Um, you know, we do things. We have breakfast in the morning. We brush yeah. our teeth. We, you know, get up and, you know, if you look if you sort of step out of your life and look at a month, it's all pretty uniform. And we thrive as people from, from having structure and babies mm -hmm. are the same. And they then know, you know, okay, this is what we do in the evening and then we go to bed. And, and I think children like that. They like to know where they are. There's no sort of nasty surprises. And I, yeah. I think they benefit from that personally because we benefit from it as adults and mm. so you know it makes sense that yeah and I, I totally agree with all of that definitely um but it was I had a I had a, you know some really nice midwives <laughs> had a couple of quite scary midwives as well <laughs> and you know when I said things like about routine they were a bit like no not like no but they kind of sort of said oh that's really you you know I don't think that's very likely and you know you're you're really just that you know that's not necessarily best for the baby and you need to very much go with their needs and and I I do understand you know I'm not gonna starve my son if he's hungry <laughs> just because it's an hour before his feed time that I would expect you know obviously it's within within reason and there's a balance but I, I was quite surprised again it's the judgment I was like oh I didn't I sort of didn't know people had opinions on these things you know all this stuff that I just didn't realize was so provocative amongst yeah. a certain kind of group of people you're like oh okay people really people really have a lot of thoughts and reactions to what to me didn't seem like that important to anyone else anyway it's funny yeah, it is it is funny um yeah the judgment and the opinions and particularly from from not all the professionals there are some amazing you know health visitors and midwives out there mm, oh yeah that have you know really strong opinions um that aren't necessarily um the right thing for you yeah no I was I was very I was very lucky with a health visitor who 
who came and saw me and she she you know I was talking to her about the feeding and I kind of felt like I was sort of felt like I was admitting this like great sit and I was like so I've decided I'd quite like to wean off breastfeeding and just go to bottles and she was like okay and I was sort of waiting for something else and she was like well will you be happier and I was like yeah and I think Rafe will be too she was like great that sounds brilliant do you want some help putting a plan together I was like that would be really great please I was just and so that, relieved and, that, and that's how it should be you know you try yeah. you tried and it doesn't work for everybody no um and I and I think it's really wrong when people judge because you know you don't know what somebody's going through you don't know what their baby's needs are you don't know what their milk production yeah. like as a mother <laughs> you know you've just got to got got to do what's right for you and and for your baby yeah definitely um yeah it's so interesting do you do you miss the baby stage or do you feel like you're quite happy you're through I it I really miss it yeah <laughs> Yes. I love this age I have to say I would have um I would have had a lot more children if I could have <laughs> I love that yeah yeah very very blessed to have three um and and so I I count my blessings but I love the baby stage yeah it's very sweet I feel like this is we can't well we're sort of at this sweet spot before we probably will hit some awful four months sleep regression or something but I, I like this age because I feel like we're at the point where we're getting smiles back Mm -hmm. and you know he he's a bit more predictable in terms of feeding and sleeping and that kind of thing obviously it's still there's still up and downs but it feels a little bit more predictable than maybe it was a few weeks ago sort of thing um but yeah I think I was thinking this the other day I was like oh gosh I think I'm really gonna miss and I had to pack away I mean because he's so huge I had to pack away all his sort of naught to three month clothes and and sort of three to six months a lot of his three to six month clothes as well because he's so tall and I felt really kind of felt quite emotional I was like oh he's growing up already it's it is quite emotional isn't it all those yeah. steps um I found really emotional yeah it gets it gets a lot easier <laughs> yeah I know and then yeah I, I guess the next thing oh, oh that was the other thing I was going to ask what um because obviously you really enjoy cooking I, I really enjoy cooking as well what was your approach when it came to things like weaning um did you okay, so have this, a particular method or this might be a little bit controversial some people are probably <laughs> going to go ah um, <laughs> because mine had severe reflux we were guided by a pediatrician and mm -hmm. he said to wean at four months mm -hmm because um it would keep so reflux the milk they, they've got a weak esophagus the valve in their esophagus is quite weak so the milk would bubble up and down basically mm -hmm. their throat and cause really you know really really uncomfortable heartburn for them and so having the food just kept everything down so i started weaning all of mine at four months only on um fruit and vegetables and and baby rice and I didn't introduce the meat until until later on um Annabelle Carmel is really amazing when it mm -hmm. comes to weaning babies um I'm pretty sure her book is called the beginner's guide to weaning um I will link all, uh, Annabelle's uh, books in the show notes because they're brilliant and they still you know they were brilliant then and they are still brilliant now and so I would just puree up everything, put it in ice, you know, big ice cube trays in the freezer. Mm -hmm. And then when they were frozen, put them into a Tupperware, clearly labeled. And then I just defrost a cube or two 
and really important with weaning to start um you don't want to introduce any new flavor or texture at the end of the day so you want to introduce it in the morning or at lunchtime in case they have a reaction mm. they're not going to be unbottled in the evening but I really just followed Annabelle's advice um, and again that was given to me from this pediatrician who had worked a lot with Annabelle directly and it worked really well and it, you, you know she's got so much information there but it's not overwhelming but she talks you through exactly step by step how to do it and when to introduce new flavors and uh, foods and textures and tastes and things so that's that's what we did um and it worked it worked really well i mean a lot of people wait to wean at six months but for, for us that wouldn't have worked um and again i had really hungry babies but they needed a little bit more earlier on yeah and um again you know if you've got a big hungry baby you might want to think about weaning slightly earlier than six months and again do it at a time that you're not going to be you know super busy and having lots of things going on and it's 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 lovely actually introducing food to them and yeah it is it's it's really exciting it's lovely and again yeah. when they were a little bit older uh, you know I'm talking sort of more towards five six months old I would cook vegetables you know extra vegetables for us maybe if I did a Sunday roast I would just puree that up because mine had reflux they <laughs> gagged and vomited quite easily so everything had to be pureed quite finely yeah um, so I would just puree up the leftovers and when I cooked for my husband and I I just wouldn't put any salt in mm. I just keep it really bland so the leftovers could be used um for the, for the babies so did all three have reflux yes <gasps> oh my goodness is that quite common or um, not? um it's genetic apparently wow. yeah yeah oh gosh yeah the youngest was the best but he was pretty bad um Oh, Arch had, well Arch and Coco were really spit I didn't think I could have a baby worse than Archie um, <laughs> until Coco arrived okay. <laughs> um, um, she was a handful she was she had such bad reflux she was really really unhappy for the first oh. few months of her life and screamed literally. and it's so hard because there's just nothing you can really do is there no and that, that's why I literally the day she was four months old I started yeah. weaning her and actually yeah. we were we were on holiday and I did it there because yeah. um, I just and it, and it made such a difference and then she became a, much, a really really happy lovely baby but, oh, um, nice yeah yeah see, see Rafe is definitely a very hungry baby and is also well, definitely already like just sort of interested in kind of he watches you when you're eating he's quite sort of like oh what are they doing you know he's obsessed with food basically I think. <laughs> yeah he's just like oh any, anything else I can put in my mouth wonderful um and yeah. so I think I might just do first taste at four months just to see how he yeah. see how he reacts to it and and just yeah, yeah get a feel, feel for what he thinks of it definitely yeah yeah I think and, and Annabelle's just um so so wise so sensible so knowledgeable and her books are really easy and great recipes yeah, that's brilliant um, yeah perfect great no you're welcome have you got any other questions 
Um, so yeah, I have one more, which I think we spoke to a bit about um, before we started recording, which was um, just about, because I sort of guess, well, you weren't doing this obviously when you had your babies, I no. guess you were a different career. Um, so how did you, so I've definitely noticed a massive shift. I, I mentioned it at the beginning, like a massive shift in identity. And something I've noticed is I'm now very much more referred to as kind of um, in association to other people. So Toby's wife, you know, Fen, the dog's mum, <laughs> and Rafe's mum, and yeah. um, all of all of which are things I really, you know, I actually really love being all those three things. So it's not that I see them as negative associations in any way, but I've just found it really interesting that I'm definitely seen, not that I'm not seen as an individual, because I think I am, but it's definitely been a shift in identity. I'm yeah. p- particularly becoming a mum, going, I'm now very much seen by certain people as Rafe's mum, sort of thing. And sort of how did you how did you find that shift and did you did you sort of do anything to kind of reclaim a sense of your your own identity because I guess for me I kind of think well I suppose going back to work but then you know equally I love being at home with Rafe and being a mum so it's quite difficult to to know I think. It is difficult to know and again you know it's really early days for you at the moment. Um, For me I had a big shift because I was working in London um, Simon was living in the country. I moved down here full time, didn't know anybody. So wow. as soon as I did start meeting people, I was Simon's wife and an archer's mother like <laughs> you. So I left that old identity in London. Mm-hmm. And and that was that was quite hard. It was quite difficult. Um, but I think I just when I had Archie, I just that was all I could do. Um, And then obviously I got pregnant with Coco quite quickly and then with Gus. And actually when Gus was six months old, I needed to do something for me. Mm. And that was a time where I needed um, to not just be a mummy to these three wonderful children, Mm. which which I loved and I wanted, but I needed just that little bit of something for me. Yeah. Um, And I bought a children's nightwear business called Sleepy Cozy. And I ran that for seven years. A girlfriend came on board and we ran it together. It was really good fun. And I could work that around the children. But it just gave me a bit of my old identity back, doing something that I was passionate about and loved doing. Um, Yeah. And then Nina, who I ran Sleepy Cozy with, moved down to Somerset. And she, she now runs Sleepy Cozy down there. And I started doing Ask Charlie. Mm. You know, some people I think are happy just just being a mummy. I say just because it's actually yeah. <laughs> more than just. It's very, yeah. very full on. <laughs> very time consuming. For me personally, I like having some something else as well. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, as the children have got older and I've had more time, it's evolved into more. And I like to be able to use my brain to sort of challenge myself and 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 that works really well for me but it does you know it doesn't for everybody and it's sort of I suppose it's horses for courses Mm. but I found it you know quite early on when the children were really quite young I needed to do a little something that was away from them um and something that I could be creative and and really use use my brain on and and you know a separate separate sort of side hustle and and passion yeah 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 and I think that's really interesting sort of the idea of like 
actually tapping into different parts of your personality that maybe being her mum doesn't always allow you to have necessarily the time to and you know I'll go for a swim or something and I was thinking the other day I was like god I've always you know sport is been such a big part of my life I've always done so much sport and now I kind of you know it's taken quite a while to recover from the birth and obviously wasn't able to do as much sport as normal in pregnancy and I was thinking the other day I was like I think I need to set myself not maybe right now but at some point in the in the sort of next few months kind of start going okay maybe I'll do um sort of the exercise I guess I feel comfortable with now is probably swimming like running and things post-birth is not (laughs) as comfortable as it was was. (laughs) no (laughs) like what will happen now um but it was like maybe I can you know send a kind of uh, set myself sort of challenge like a swimming thing for charity or just something yes exactly focus focus that's away from the baby that's for you and I think it's something we haven't talked about yet but it's really really important that you do something for you Mm. when the time is right because it's still really early days for you but when the time's right just separate from from Rafe Mm -hmm. whether it's taking up power walking or um cycling or you know I don't know why I've just suddenly thought of it and you probably won't do this a knitting club or whatever it might (laughs) be or a book club just something away that you can just be you for a little while and have your identity even if it's you know half an hour and it doesn't need to be every day but just something I think is really good and healthy for us as mothers because then we come back into the home environment with a baby with um you know it um I've slightly lost my train of thought but you you just come back as a better mother I found if you just have a little bit of time for you yeah and then you know you can you can deal with things better whereas if you're in the trenches the whole time it's really intense it's really full-on you can get a little bit um you know you know tired from it and a bit exhausted whereas actually just taking taking you know an hour or whatever it might be out doing something that you really enjoy and you're passionate about you come back a much better happier person I found definitely um yeah definitely and I think what's interesting with well what's kind of uh what I've really noticed with that is um you know sometimes when I'm in the thick of it and Toby might say look why don't you go for a swim you know there's no point battling another nap time or whatever it is you know I kind of when I'm in the thick of it I'll sometimes be like no 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 no. I must you know no I'll keep going and you know I've got to do as if like again the kind of accepting help thing you know kind of just go yes thanks very much for being such a helpful husband do take your son (laughs) enjoy and I'll go for a swim for an hour yeah exactly and And I'm sure you probably come back feeling a lot better so much better exactly and yeah yeah. so it's important to take those moments really definitely yeah definitely you know a small tiny thing um I definitely found I came back (laughs) as a better a better person a better version of myself yeah that's it I, could, I mean there's some now times you know we're at the point where we kind of because he's getting to that point where he can be in his sort of his cot by himself for his naps and that kind of thing in his room and I think he sleeps better up there etc so I'm trying to do that thing where I'm like I'll put him down drowsy but awake wishful thinking and see if he goes off to sleep and quite often he does and that's great but I'll, I'll sort of be sat on the stairs with the baby monitor sort of looking just being like checking and Toby will come you know when he's at work in the week obviously that's what I have to do but the weekends he'll just sort of walk past and be like 
you know, give me the monitor, <laughs> go somewhere else, <laughs> go downstairs, sit in the garden, just do something else. You can't just sit there staring at the baby monitor, you know, every nap time, every day of every week, you know, you have to do something different. And, and, and actually it's so important because I think if you don't do those things, I found certainly for me, that's when I do get the kind of um, slight tunnel vision about stuff and everything yeah. seems totally out of proportion, you know, yeah. oh, he only slept for an hour hour and 15 minutes rather than two hours oh my oh my goodness <laughs> as if like the world has ended yeah. um because you're so in it all the time yeah, exactly. I guess exactly and that's why I think I said at the beginning it's about taking a step back looking at it with a fresh pair of eyes and mm. just saying, okay do I do you know do I need to get wound up about this is this yeah. a good thing is it not oh, and more often than not it's not and then you think okay okay let's just chill out about it yeah. And I think if you don't, what I certainly know for me, if I don't do that, you know, I could, I would find about 300 things a day to get wound up about otherwise, because, you know, they're babies. <laughs> they're in, inherently unpredictable and a bit bonkers at times. And that's it. You know, so if, you, if you fret about everything, which I certainly did right at the beginning, I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to have any headspace again. This is mental. Um, and then slowly, I feel like week by week, you start to go, okay, I'm starting to understand this a little bit more and accept, accept yeah. it a little bit more as well. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which is good. And it, you know, it takes time. It takes time. Yeah. And, you know, you, you've grown this person inside you for sort of nine months. You're only 13 weeks out of the other side. And yeah. so you have to keep remembering that and keep remembering this is actually really early days. Yeah. And look at what you have achieved. Focus yeah. on the positives because that is so important. Don't focus on the negatives. Just actually think, yeah, look, we're doing really well. We're doing yeah. really well. We've got a healthy baby that's thriving and growing. And look, I'm all right. I'm doing well. Yeah. And, and yeah. be, you know, be proud of yourself of and what what you're doing and what you've achieved yeah and again you know ultimately I think if you know if you know if you have a supportive partner who's good at my husband is really good at sort of saying like I think you're doing a great job and things that really helps because again sort of at work I was always quite used to being told or like getting thanks you know whether it's from parents if I'd help their children I don't know choose a good senior school or something they'd be like oh thank you so much we really appreciate it you'd be like oh no problem that's great or you know if it was um you know a good piece of work you did and you know your line manager would go oh that was really great well done and you go thanks very much <laughs> so I don't realize how praise driven you are and then suddenly you've got this baby and you're a bit well why aren't you saying thank you <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you saying, that was a brilliant nappy change mum <laughs> well done <laughs> yeah exactly they don't thank you no <laughs> when they're a bit older <laughs> and they do turn around and say thank you it is so special it's oh so I bet special. yeah I'm looking forward to that we were actually in London with our three uh yesterday evening and Gus the youngest turned around to Simon and I and said thank you mommy and daddy so much for letting us come up we had a really fun evening and that thank you I think will stick with me for years yeah. because it was really kind of from the heart he really meant it and so you have to hold on to this sort of thing <laughs> yeah and one day Rafe will turn around and say thank you mommy <laughs> but at the moment no. he'll probably just well mine used to wee on me yeah <laughs> oh yeah we have <laughs> yeah he had his first week on his granny yesterday and she was like oh my goodness I was like well welcome to my world mum 
lovely <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> oh Gail thank you for um for your questions have you got any more or um... uh no but thank you I've really enjoyed it and it's so helpful to talk to someone who's kind of been through the trenches <laughs> you know um yeah. and it's quite because I do think there's a different perspective that comes with it it's it's really helpful to have people at all stages you know I've got some great people around me who are at roughly the same stage as me or have got kind of ba babies a year or two older or whatever but having someone who's kind of come through the other side to you know that, that to, to be honest yours are the age that I, so I'm a prep school teacher so I'm kind of yours are the, the age that I'm sort of most comfortable and familiar with and then yeah. to a baby is actually really different so it's quite nice to hear from someone who's got children of the age that I am like I think I understand that age a bit more but probably I'll get there and be like oh no I, I don't understand anything <laughs> I'm sure you will I'm sure you will it's been so lovely chatting to you and um, you I will leave a lot of what uh, Gail and I have talked about down in the show notes. Um, I want to thank you all for tuning in and listening to this episode of the podcast and a huge thank you Gail for reaching out and chatting to me today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I would be really grateful if you are enjoying my podcast, if you would just take a moment to hit the subscribe button. It helps other people know that we exist and I would be so grateful of that. And leave me a review. The more subscribers we have, the more episodes I can put on for you. So please just take a moment and hit the subscribe button.